Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. So let's go before the Lord in prayer and continue our study in the Gospel of Mark. Well, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth. You are truth. And so, Father, we pray that you would impart understanding to us. We pray, Father, for a fresh filling of your spirit to empower us to do your will, Father, to be the witnesses you called us to be. We pray, Lord, that you would do a mighty work. We pray also for every ministry that's going on, that you bless the teachers, bless the students, and we pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so we are in Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 21 through 34. And so the title of tonight's lesson is Alone with the Lord. Alone with the Lord. And so a quick question that I'd like to start off with is, have you ever been left alone and, and you found yourself trying to figure out something to do? So you got all this time on your hands. By yourself, everybody's gone. So what to do? Now, some people do things that they never have time to do on a normal day. Maybe it's the laundry. Maybe it's getting a car fixed. But it's something that they normally do not have time to do, and so they do those things. Then other people, they find some type of entertainment, something that, that's fun to them. And then others, because they are alone, they leave their house and they go somewhere where there's other people. Now, I wonder if they do that because they're frightened with the idea of being alone. No, God had already established in Genesis with Adam when he was by himself. The only thing that was not good with the creation was that man was alone. He said, it is not good that man should be alone. Therefore, he would make him a, a helper who is fit or comparable to him. The only thing is so I can understand why people look for companionship. They, they look for friends. They are afraid of that idea of being alone. But oftentimes we find ourselves alone, even if we have a family and some people leave the house and, and we're there, but we just twiddle our thumbs. We don't find anything productive to do. But have you considered using that time to spend with the Lord? Now tonight, the goal is to get comfortable with that idea of spending that alone time with the Lord, with your creator. With the one who died for your sins and who was resurrected for our justification. And so we want to get comfortable with that idea And so what does that look like, spending alone time with the Lord? What does it look like? And what are the benefits of being alone with 
the Lord. And so on our way to answering those questions, we want to start with verse 21 in Mark chapter 4. And as we make our way through these scriptures, we're going to, we're going to get to that point and find the benefits of that alone time with God. That alone time with our Savior, the lover of our soul. And so in verse 21 of Mark 4, it says, And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. One version says, there is, there's not anything to be kept secret. That is, things are hidden only temporarily until the appropriate time comes for them to be known. And then in verse 23, it says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Something we heard Jesus say in the previous lesson. In other words, if anyone has ears to hear, let him listen and let him or her understand. And so as we look at verse 22, where it says that there is nothing hidden which would not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If you look at that verse, it answers the rhetorical question that we find in verse 21 about the lamp. It's meant to be put in the place where it gives light to the room. So just as that lamp or that candle is meant to be out in the open, the secrets or the truths that Jesus is sharing with his disciples are meant to be eventually revealed. And these disciples, his followers, they were to be a part of this process of revealing these mysteries, these truths, these secrets through the preaching of the word of God, preaching what they have been taught in secret. And therefore, the mysteries of the kingdom, eventually they will be revealed. And the mysteries of the kingdom from our last study, it, it speaks of the mystery form of the kingdom. So between the time of Jesus going back to heaven, which we, call, which we call the ascension, between that time and the second coming, at the end of the tribulation, we have this mystery form of the kingdom, the spiritual kingdom. And so when we talk about the mysteries of the kingdom, this is talking about the kingdom when the king, capital K, king, is away. He's not reigning on earth yet, but he's reigning spiritually in the lives of those of us who have repented and put our faith in him. And so we're talking about this mystery form of the kingdom. And so these mysteries reveal what this mystery form of the kingdom is like while the king is away before he comes back. In other words, it talks about this mystery form, the spiritual form of the kingdom. In this present age. So this age has not ended. Has not. It's going to end when Jesus comes back. And when he sets up his reign and his kingdom on this earth literally and visibly for a thousand years. We call that the millennial kingdom. 
And so this, the, the mysteries of this kingdom that's going on right now will be revealed. But I wonder about some mysteries in our lives because there's some things in our lives that are mysteries that we, we don't know why they happen. Why did so-and-so die and not me? Why did so-and-so die and not them? They were perfectly healthy. Why did that work out that way? How come I didn't get into that university, into that school? How come I didn't get that job? How come I was blocked from getting in that neighborhood? And so there are some mysteries in our lives. Some things that we don't understand, but God allowed those things to come in. God, I I pray to you. I come to church. I, I study your word. But yet and still, these bad things come into my life. I'm having a Job experience, some of you may say. Why is that? And so we have some mysteries in our lives. And and one day it's going to be revealed to us. We'll be able to look back and see why things worked out a certain way. And as those mysteries, those secret things, which are secrets to us now, have been revealed to us, maybe in eternity, maybe in this life, when we look back in the past, But one thing we're going to do, we're going to praise God for his wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for not giving me that job. Thank you for not allowing me to move to that state or that city. Thank you for allowing me to not find my keys because I missed an accident. So things that are mysteries in our lives, one day we're going to find out what that was all about and be thankful, thankful, thankful for the fact that he did not answer that prayer. That he didn't answer it my way. He answered it. He said no, but he didn't answer it my way. And so many of us are going to be thankful. Praise God for his wisdom. And then in verse 23, where he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And so here we, we see Jesus is calling for people to be willing hearers so that they can understand the mysteries of this kingdom what we call the, the spiritual kingdom in, in mystery form. And in verses 24 and 25, still in Mark chapter 4, it says, Then he said to them, Take heed. So pay attention to what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And, and to you who hear, more will be given, or you will receive Even more for whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. And so the context deals with the desire, uh, the openness of our hearts or our attentiveness that, that we have for hearing in order to understand what the Lord is saying. So are we open to the things of God? Are we open and attentive to the word of God? For example, the more that we put into our reading of the scriptures, the the more that we put into studying the word of God, the more we get out of it. And so the question that we all have to ask is, how much of us and how much of our traditions, how much of our own understanding are we willing to cast aside so that we'll be open and attentive and receptive to the truth? Because what we believe, it's not always based on truth. Some of it is based on the traditions of men. 
Some of it is based on false doctrines or just flat out error. And so how much of us, how much of our traditions are we willing to cast aside to receive what is real, what is truth from the Lord? And of course, how much of us, how much of our attentiveness, how much of our focus that we give to him, to the things of God, that, that will determine how much more understanding will be given. So the same measure we use in this context, it'll be measured to us. But notice it happens on the other side too, on the flip side, that the one who is not attentive, the one who is not paying attention, in other words, the one who is not open to the things of God, to the word of God, to the, the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and on the flip side, whatever little understanding they have will be taken away. In other words, it won't even be fruitful. It's almost like you're studying a foreign language if you don't practice it. If you're not, you don't set aside time to study it, you're going to lose what, whatever you remembered from learning that foreign language. But I also like what it says in Luke 8.18. Because in, Luke, in Mark 4.24, it, it says, pay attention to what you hear. But in Luke 8.18, it, it says, pay attention to how you hear. So how are we hearing? Is it just noise? And are we just letting that, that those words, the word of God, just fall to the ground? Or are we attentive? Are we open to the things of God, to the truth, to the things of the Spirit. So when we talk about this topic that we're looking at here in verses 24 and 25, it helps to explain why some people could hear the same message and get saved and grow, but other people are still babes. They may be believers, but they're still babies or infants in the word. And then some people are more mature, but they're hearing the same thing. Some people get saved and, and some people remain in their unsaved condition. But hearing the same thing. And so verses 24 and 25 explains why. Because they're not attentive. They're not really trying to understand. But I like what it says in Hebrews 5.12, when it talks about maturity, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles or the basics of the oracles or the word of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. They should have been more mature at this point, but they were still babes in the faith. And I believe it's because of what it says in, in Luke 8.18. It's because of how they were hearing. They were not attentive. They were not truly open to the things and to the word of God. In verses 26 through 29, it says, And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So here we have another parable. And should sleep by night. And rise by day. In other words, this man sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed should sprout and grow. 
he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And so if you remember from our previous parable last week where it talked about uh, the sower and, and him scattering seeds and the different conditions of the human heart, pictured as different types of soil. If you remember that, look at what it says in verse 13. Jesus says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? And so in that parable, the seed is the word of God. And so now that we understand that, we understand now in this parable that the seed is still talking about the word of God. And so in this parable we just read, tonight the seed has been scattered. And many of us, we go out in our neighborhoods, we go around our families, we go to work, and seeds are scattered. Go to Bible study, seeds, the seed of the word of God is scattered. And the thing is, we don't know what kind of soil or heart condition that person has. Is it a hard heart? Is it a receptive heart? Is it one of those hearts that's going to be uh, fruitful? We don't always know. We just scatter the seed. And so we don't know, but, but God knows what types of heart that we're sharing the word of God with. But as we learn in this parable that the seed or the word of God is going to do its job. And just like that farmer who didn't understand how that seed began to sprout and grow, we don't know either. We just do, do our jobs. We just share the word of God. We share the gospel and we let God do his thing through the word of God. And we don't know exactly what's going on. We don't know how that person is hearing. We don't know if they understood. We don't know if it was a false profession of faith or if it was real. We don't know, but God knows. We don't know what type of fruit the word of God is going to produce in that person's life. But, that, but God knows. The Lord knows. Is it going to produce 30 or 60 or 100 fold? That's not for us to figure out. God he knows that. And his word is going to do his job. In fact, we may even be surprised with the effects of the word. Well, all I told this person is that Jesus loves you and they were ready to give their lives to the Lord. And now they're in ministry and they're doing this and that. And now they're about to go off to the mission field to China or wherever. Wow. And all I said was Jesus loves you. And so some of us may even be surprised at the effects of the word. But I like what it says in Isaiah 55, and, and it's a familiar portion of scripture that we find in the Bible, the word of God. Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud or sprout, that it may give seed to the sower or the farmer and bread or food to the hungry. So just like that, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or without effect, 
but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper. My word, God says, is going to succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so just like this, this farmer who, who scatters the seed on the ground in, in verses 26 through 29, how he sees the seed sprout and take effect and grow, and he doesn't know how. The same way with us. We don't know exactly what's going on. We don't know what the end of that person's situation is going to be. But what we can be confident of is, is the fact that when God's word goes out, that it's going to do what he purposed for it to do. It's not going to retor- return to him without effect. It won't return to him, in other words, void. But then we look at another parable. In verses 30 through 32 in Mark 4, it says, Then he said, again, this is Jesus speaking. If there's somebody new who just joined us. He says to, What shall we liken the kingdom of God? So what is the kingdom of God like right now? While the king is at the right hand of the father and hasn't come back to the earth yet. The, the kingdom in the mystery form. What, what is it like right now? without the king reigning on the earth? Or what parable shall we picture or describe it? Then Jesus proceeds. It's, it's like a mustard seed, which when it is sown or planted in the ground, it's smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is planted, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater or it grows taller than all herbs or garden plants. And it shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. So what is this mystery form of the kingdom like while the king is not reigning on earth? Well, first of all, to get there, we need to talk about this this mustard seed. Because this mustard seed was the smallest seed known to Jesus' hearers. And it was probably the smallest seed the Jewish farmers planted in their gardens. And so they were familiar with that. And so these tiny seeds could produce a plant that that can grow at least 10 feet in height, the size of a small tree. And so we go from that, that physical, literal understanding of talking about this very small seed to This plant growing to the point where it's like a small tree, at least 10 feet in height. So we talk about that now. We we can get to talking about the kingdom of God. Because if you keep that mustard seed in mind and this illustration in mind, you'll understand that this kingdom of God began small. Small beginnings. But it grew tremendously. And within this kingdom, while the king is at the right hand of the father, and it's not reigning on earth right now in the millennial kingdom, right now, within this kingdom, you have the true church. You have the real members of the kingdom of God who are truly allowing Jesus to reign in our lives. But then you have many unbelievers who outwardly identify themselves with the church who outwardly look like they're a part of this kingdom. 
And so that is causing this huge on the surface growth. And so you have that movie star that, and now some movie stars are really saved. But just because a famous person says, I want to thank God for this award, doesn't automatically make them Christian. It does not. Now, some of them are. But God knows that's between them and the Lord. But, but in this mystery form of the kingdom right now, while Jesus is not reigning on earth, so you have many unbelievers who outwardly identify themselves with the church as if they were true members of the kingdom. And so now you have this large, this huge on-the-surface growth. And now under that, under this shade of this mystery form of the kingdom, you have Satan and his minions. Remember the birds in the previous, in the previous parable? Remember the seed that was cast on the, on the wayside and the birds of the air came and ate the seed, right? Before it is sunk down deep in that person's heart. Remember in the previous parable, it says that the birds represented Satan. So it represents evil. And so you have this huge outward growth on the surface growth of this mystery form of the kingdom of God. And so now you have the devil and his minions, the birds, quote unquote birds, so to speak. They're able to use the visible church as a cloak. They're able to use the visible church and stand on the platform and say that gay marriage is okay. They're able to stand on the platform and, and, and use the visible church to promote something that is not biblical, that God would never support. But people will say, well, they, they identify themselves as Christians. They have a cross on their church. And they support it. How come you don't? Well, that's because in the mystery form of the kingdom on, on, on surface, it looks huge, huger than it really is. And under his shade, you have the devil, you have the birds of the air, so to speak, pushing his agenda causing division within the church and so the enemy would would find shade in what we would call the visible church to do his work and so under under the banner of christianity you've had some heinous things done it's not what jesus taught but you have the enemy pushing his own agenda. And for anybody who thinks that, that living a certain lifestyle that God said is, is not okay, clearly in his word. Don't think we're picking on you. But we're speaking the truth in love. And what's going on is you're, you're being lied to. If the word of God, if God says something is wrong and it's, and it's hurting you and your walk with him and you continue to do it, then that's not God's fault. If a person ends up in a place in eternity separate from him, that place is called hell. And so what are you listening to and how are you listening? What we talked about earlier. 
You know, in, in, in another illustration, on top of this parable, I want to liken it to a large house. Because when you think about a large house, the larger the house, the more hiding spaces you have. The more spaces and closets are in the house for the kids to put the junk into and say that, hey, I cleaned the house. You didn't clean the house. You just hid it in another closet. You just hid it under another bed. But the larger the house, the more hiding spaces there are. And it's, and it's like that in this, in this parable with this on the, the, the surface enlargement of the church. And so, again, you heard Pastor Jim say it many times, we're not salvation investigators. We just cast out the seeds. We just put the seed of the word of God out there. And we let God do the rest. In verses 33 and 34, it says, And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it or understand. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, He explained all these things to his disciples or his followers. So for the second time in this this study of Mark, we see the blessings the disciples experienced when they were alone with the Lord. We saw it the first time in verse 10 in our previous lesson, and now we see it in verse 34. These blessings they got to experience when they were alone with Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. And so I want to ask tonight, have you ever been in a place where you wanted to get away? Where you just wanted to spend some time with the Lord by yourself, away from the crowd? Oh, it's good to come together corporately and worship the Lord. It's good to come together with your family and worship the Lord. Bible studies on your lunch break at at work or at school and, and study the Bible. To study the word of the Lord. But have you ever been in the place of wanting it to get away so you could just spend time with him? Unrushed and uninterrupted. Nobody knocking on the door. Just, just you and the Lord. Almost sometimes those of us who are married and have children, sometimes we just want to pull our spouse away and just us two. Sometimes it's like a, a, a child who has Many siblings, sometimes they just want to spend time just with mom or dad, just by themselves. Sometimes it's like that. And and it's like that many times with, with us and the Lord. Have you ever been in that place? Now, I remember when, when my son, second oldest, was getting recruited by university, by, by Stanford. We, I remember paying a visit to the school and we were, around a group of student athletes. And so it was cool being there, but the head coach came out and he talked to the crowd. And so it wasn't as personal. But when the head coach came to a little bitty house in Mesa, knocked on the door and, and visited my son, that was, that was more special for him. And I'm thinking because on TV, this coach is quiet all the time. So I'm thinking, oh, he's going to be here for like 30, maybe an hour, and he's going to leave because he seemed pretty quiet. He, he stayed there for like three hours, ate dinner and everything. We had some good talks. He watched a little TV with us. But that, but that was more intimate for him. That was more special 
for my son who was getting recruited. And that's like some of us. Sometimes we just want to spend that time. We just want to get away and just be with the Lord. We need that alone time with him. And what are some of the benefits of this alone time with the Lord? Well, the first benefit is the fact that we can ask him questions. In verse 10, if you remember, when, when, in, when Jesus taught the parable of the sower, it says in verse 10 that when he was alone, those around him with the 12, with the 12 apostles, they asked him, they asked him a question. And so we can ask him questions in the alone time. Maybe there's something that's been bugging you. Maybe there's something from a Bible study and a group study that you quite don't understand and it's, and, it's, and it's not really clicking. Maybe there's some heartaches in your life or some type of decision you need to make and you just have questions. And, and maybe at that time you just need to get away. Just you and the Lord and, and, and you just need some clarity. Lord, I don't know why you brought this heartache into my life. I thought I've done everything you asked me to do. And so, Lord, I have some questions. Lord, I, I just need to talk to you. And it's cool. We, we get around. We hold hands. Prayer time. I don't know how many people are holding hands right now. But holding hands, for the most part, during prayer time in a large group. And it's cool, we're, we're bringing our requests to the Lord, but, but some of us are hesitant to share some of our prayer requests because there's some things that, hey, I, need, I just need to get with the Lord in private because this has been bugging me and I'm bothered by this. And Lord, I just need some alone time with you. And so that's one benefit of the alone time. We can ask him those questions that are, that are nagging us, that we need clarity on. That we don't necessarily need everyone else to hear. But it's also, as we see in verse 34 of Mark chapter 4, that it's a time for the Lord to teach us. It's a time for the Lord to equip us. And so spending that quiet time with him in the word of God and, and in prayer, we get the preparation for the day. Lord, is there anybody you want me to witness to or minister to today? I pray that you'll open up that door. Or maybe in your prayer time, as you're, as you're there just waiting on the Lord in prayer, somebody's name or a situation just comes across your heart or your mind. And so you get preparation for the day. You get preparation for ministry. So it's a time for the Lord to teach and equip us, just like he, he taught these believers here, these disciples in verse 34, when they were alone. But another part or benefit that I like about spending time with the Lord, alone with the Lord, is that we get to enjoy his presence. And for this point, I was spending time reading the, the, the word of God just in my quiet time. And I'm kind of following the, the reading plan, but I'm going at a much slower rate. I'm a little slow with that. 
And so I got to 2 Samuel 7 and something just stood out to me when it came to this point for this lesson. About the alone time with the Lord, we just get to enjoy his presence. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 7, you can write it down if you're a note taker. What you'll read is that the, the Lord God had just given King David some rest, rest from his enemies. And so King David hinted to Nathan, who was the prophet at that time. He said, look, I'm, I have this house of cedar. I'm living large and in charge. I'm living luxuriously, but, but the ark of, of God This Ark of the Covenant is in a tabernacle. It's in a tent. And the Ark of God for you Bible students, it represents the presence of the Lord. And so he was hinting to Nathan that, hey, I'm, you know, I can't live like this. And the the Ark of God is is in the tent. I want to build something more permanent for the Lord. In other words, he was talking about a temple, a more permanent structure. And so Nathan, the prophet at that time, he said, hey, that's what you want to do. Go ahead and do all that is within your heart to do. But then that very same night, the Lord came to Nathan. Was like, hey, Nathan, I got, I got some different plans than what, than what David has. I have a different plan than what you told King David, Nathan. And as the Lord spoke to Nathan, he, he told him that he plans To make David a house. In other words, he plans to make from David a royal dynasty. And not only that, Nathan, but tell my servant David that he's not the one who's going to build the temple for me, but his son is going to build it. And if you read in the scriptures, you know that son to be Solomon. So not David, but his son, Solomon, is going to build that temple. So he told him that. And then he told Nathan to tell his servant David that, that, that look, I'm going to establish his throne forever. And so that, of course, is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the descendant of King David. And so he's telling Nathan, tell David that his throne will be secure forever. And so Nathan went back. And then he shared this information with David. And this stood out to me in 2 Samuel 7, 18. It says, then King David went in. Notice what he did. It says that he sat before the Lord. And he said, who am I, O Lord? And and what is my house? What is my family that you have brought me this far? And as he continued to, as you continue to read, you'll see that he continues to thank the Lord, that he continues to praise God, and he shows his acceptance of God's plan and and will for his life and his family's life. And so when David heard that, all he could do was just sit before the Lord and and praise God. I, I had this plan, God, but you showed me something better through the prophet Nathan. And Lord, who am I? Why are you so good to me? I am not deserving of this, of this goodness, of of this love, this this goodness that you have for me, that you've done for me and my family. So sometimes, like King David, this, this alone time just allows us to just enjoy his presence. We just get to sit before him and worship him, just adore him, to thank him, to, to praise him, just for his goodness, the blessings of that alone time. 
as the worship team comes to the stage. And so maybe there's, there, there's somebody in here who's, maybe you're single right now and you're saying, well, I'm, I have enough alone time. I'm tired of being alone. Or maybe you're a married couple where you have a big family, but you've been in isolation due to COVID-19 or whatever else is going on. And so you're just tired of being alone. Or maybe you're somebody who got laid off during this season and, and now you find yourself with lots of time on your hands. You're, you're not in school right now. You're not working right now. You have lots of time on your hands. And, and for, for all of those groups of people that I mentioned, I would just encourage you to, to take advantage of the time you have. Take advantage of this alone time. This time to ask the Lord those questions. The time just to worship the Lord. The time to receive instructions from him. It's a time to draw near to him as the first part of James 4.8 says. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so we draw near to him when we confess our sins. When we repent of our sins. We draw near to him that way, but also in those times of pouring out our hearts to him, in those times of confusion, in those times of heartache and heartbreak, those times of being attentive to his instructions, during those times of just praising God, like King David did, just sat before the Lord and just praised him. You didn't give me what I wanted. I wanted to build you a house but you have something better in mind. And so he just thanked the Lord and praised him. Oh, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for those times you give us to, to spend alone with you. And we do thank you for the times of corporate worship as well. But Lord, just like even Jesus did, at times he would pull away and be in isolation, just spend time with you, Father. Help us to take advantage of those times. Help us, Lord, to be attentive during those times, Lord. Not just us be the only ones speaking, but to also give you a chance to, to speak into our hearts. So help us to be attentive hearers in those alone times. I pray for anyone, Lord, who's in here or on the other side of the camera. I pray for anybody who's been avoiding you. that, Lord, they would understand how much you love them. That they would understand how much you enjoy time with your children. And I pray for anybody, Father, who does not have a personal relationship with you through faith in Jesus. I pray for the spiritual blinders to be lifted. I pray for the hard hearts to be softened. 
I pray for the excuses to be removed. Because Jesus is coming back shortly. So if there's anyone who's ready and willing to receive the Lord, I can lead you in the prayer. And I would just encourage you to only repeat it if you mean it. God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I understand and acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I confess my sins to you. I ask you to forgive me. And I do believe in my heart that you resurrected your son, Jesus. And I ask Jesus right now to personally be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for allowing me to be now your son or your daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming out. And God bless you. May God keep you. If you need prayer, we'll be here ready to pray with you. Amen. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.